Signs of Southland, Sunday, February 13th, 2021. Mr. Grant, we have already done two hours of podcast recording today, and yet this episode is the one that's coming out first. There's some irony to that, I would say. Recording episodes in bulk is fun. Totally not Ah. tired at all. I'm not having a second cup of coffee today. No, sir. I have this thing called a nine to five, nine to six job. So kind of got to do what we got to do. In terms. Some days are packed. Some days are packed. Also, you have a Super Bowl thing to get to, don't you? I mean, it's the Super Bowl. However, uh, you know, however the world turns, it feels later than usual because it is, but uh, it's February. But um, one thing I did want to say in terms of that other content, we should tell them what that is. Uh, Keep your eyes and ears peeled for um, our softball, baseball preview well for softball it's a first week review ish too but that'll be done today but it's, it's kind of a bigger picture take um on softball and we'll also uh be talking baseball um that'll drop thursday um i also just did a little recording uh with one mr clayton Truter, uh he of the author of the new book loserville uh so go and check that out um we talked a lot of tech specific stuff um some stuff that, uh, you know, we, we got to add to our little repertoire of uh, uh, understanding history. And, and Clayton uh, is uh, really excited about that book. So I uh, definitely think it would appeal to, to our audience here as well. So we gave him a, gave him a little chat. Um, but, yep. Full disclosure, I have to edit that. And I still haven't yet because Jake literally just sent me the audio. So I haven't even heard it. And I'm excited to listen. Uh, so Whoa. that's on the docket for this week. Let's talk about what's happened this weekend in Georgia Tech sports and this past week, shall we? Let's start on the club circuit, your favorite circuit of them all. Let's start with hockey, shall we? Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. Uh, In terms of hockey, they did uh, play four games split over the last two weeks. Um, Unfortunately, I have no idea how the one today went. Uh, it was against Clemson uh, for the official, unofficial, official uh, ACC hockey championship title. Um, but they did beat FSU uh, on Friday to get them that much closer uh, to the process there. Uh, that was an eight to three win over Florida State. Uh, and they uh, they supplemented that with two demolitions, I'd say is the only fair way to put that of Tennessee the, the previous weekend. 6-0-7-1, I think. Yep. That's what I got in the shot sheet. Yeah. Well, they're, uh, uh, they're maybe the ACC champions by now. It's been four hours since the game was supposed to start, but it, it's weird. Uh, they're definitely, them and men's uh, lacrosse are, are the two teams that are easiest to get uh, live stats from. But in this case, we don't know. Uh, hopefully by the time that this comes out, uh, y'all know, and, and maybe you can come come back in time and tell us. One interesting thing that I learned about hockey this weekend is I think their conference got hit with a cease and desist by the SEC uh, for calling themselves the SECHC, the Southeastern, it's like Southeastern School Hockey Conference, something like that. Uh, and they they had to change their name to – some other different I'm trying to find the name right now but it's it's escaping me but yeah that was interesting I I liked watching that legal thing play out on Twitter a couple days ago aren't most of those schools SEC schools too like you you think yeah but it's but you you can't have the like SEC is a trademark 
The literal SEC has to defend their trademark. And well, oh well, I I, I don't know. I was not on Twitter much this past week, so go figure. But uh, in terms of other club sports news uh, that we do know, uh, we had a men's soccer game this week. Um, it was an eight to two win Friday night uh, against GCSU. Uh, men's lacrosse had their season opener against Boston College. Uh, today, uh, that was seven to one at the half, 10, six final. Um, as always, they figure to be pretty darn excellent. Uh, and then women's lacrosse also in action doubleheader today, uh, noon and two against UGA and Clemson, but, uh, much like the hockey game have no idea how that ended. So hopefully it was good. Yeah. Uh, it's Getting news for some of these club sports is a little difficult, but some of them, uh, some of them keep us very up to date, I, which we appreciate. We appreciate very much. We we appreciate all club sports, or maybe I'm just speaking for myself. Um, I appreciate all of them. I I just also like updates. That is that is very fair, um, and you know uh, something that we are required to receive in order to be able to tell people what happened. So for in order for there to be news to report on and analyze, you kind of have to, you know, have news to report on and analyze. I said this for years uh, when I was involved in the club sports scene at tech, allowing myself to get on a soapbox here for just a second. Hold on. Before you go into this, you talk about this, like it's been very long and you were there involved in the club sports scene at tech not even a year ago. Yeah, well, don't don't use facts and logic. But um, I always thought there should be like some like one page of the CRC website or something where they just like put a result. But I don't know. I, I don't I don't know how webmastering that stuff works. Anyway, it's not hard. Let me tell you, it's not about, hard. That's about all we got in, in terms of club. Um, and uh, if we if we get any additional updates, you bet uh, we'll send them your way. Well, let's bounce over to another sport you love very dearly, Georgia Tech swimming. They had their Yellow Jacket invite slash their senior day. Uh, I think it was two weeks ago. We missed an episode recording because of Jake's vacation. Yes, go blame him on Twitter for that. Uh, they uh, did their senior day. They did all the pomp and circumstance. Uh, they're not really results to report from this one. <laughs> um, it was just kind of an internal Time, you know, internal squad scrimmage for the most part. Um, I don't really know what to make of it. What do you got? Um, yeah, I think senior day was actually that Gardner Webb meet that we talked about because that's basically all those were, um, all those, yeah, probably. But, um, uh, in terms of the yellow jacket invite, they literally didn't post results, uh, other than they did good, they played themselves and did good. I was gonna say, you can't lose to yourself, like. But you also can't win. Yeah. Um, they used to go out to Athens for a, for a late invite there. I don't really know why they don't do that anymore. But, um, I mean, it'd be nice to give these kids who are, you know, maybe not going to ACCs or something like that another another competition. But I, I don't really have any insight as to the who, what, when, where, or why of, of why these decisions are made. It just seems like an inner squad with extra steps to me, though. That's That's fair. But it is good pool prep for the ACC championships coming up this week at Macaulay. Tell us a little about that and what to expect. Yeah, um, that'll be Tuesday through Saturday. Um, Yours truly will try and make at least a couple of the finals. Um, Mr. Journalist, 
press credential journalist well, who that, forgot I mean, to get me press credentials. I mean, I think us doing a live stream from there would be what we call a rights violation, but that can be caught on ACC Network Extra uh, for the prelims and the finals. Finals will also be broadcast on a tape delay the next morning slash early afternoon on ACC Network. Um, so if you if you prefer like an 8 a.m. time, um, you can follow up your, your Packer and Durham with, uh, with some delayed swimming results. Um, You're going to be doing uh, it with the Olympics anyway. You might as yeah. well. I mean, might, might as well. Um, if, if you got nothing else going on in the morning, uh, definitely go check that out. Um, they have events split over all the different days, uh, men's and, and, and women's. So I do want to highlight um, Tuesday. I think there's there's one main relay, but uh, the meat of the schedule is going to be Wednesday through Saturday. Uh, in terms of Wednesday highlights, the two free relay, uh, that's a big one, uh, five free uh, we have some some heavy hitters in that as well. Uh, the 200 IM uh, tech does traditionally have that as well. Uh, there's some diving spread across all the days. Um, I will note um, that Wednesday or sorry Thursday uh, also has uh, a relay, uh, the two free, which is which is big for us as well, and a couple other individual meets. Um, Friday uh, highlights include. Um, platform diving so if you're really interested in in watching the ridiculous uh that's uh that's always a uh, kind of a hard stopper um you also have uh, a couple individual events the um the main relay though would be the four medley um that's uh, a, a bit of a four 400 medley relay sorry i should enunciate um and then saturday will be your long meaty one i think that's three hours when the rest will be about two uh but in that you'll have the mile woo um, the two back hundred free, uh, 200 breast, um, Kyle Pampudis, a uh, big factor in those 200 breasts as well, uh, as well as, um, the 400 freestyle relay, uh, which is traditionally a, a pretty, pretty solid stellar relay for tech. Uh, so definitely worth checking that out as well. Honestly, uh, Saturday, if you're not doing anything in the evening, it is definitely going to be your meatiest event. Uh, but, uh, um, yeah, no, uh, bringing home a, a nice championship meet with the 400 freestyle relay seems to be seems to be the classic way to end a big meet. So um, they end the Olympics with that one, right? Or am I am I thinking out loud here? I think it's just the traditional way to end a big meet. That's how we that's how we did it in um, in high school for all of our big ones. It's how a lot of college meets and invites do it. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'm too lazy to go look up the Olympic meet schedule. See the four the four free relay though that's the one that Phelps uh, and uh, Lee Zach and Colin Jones and uh, Garrett uh, oh he had the hyphenated last name I'm forgetting it uh, it's the one from 08, the greatest race of all time uh, to beat the yeah French. he outtouched he outtouched the French I swear Michael Phelps had another race after that though but I can't remember go figure anyways that'll be your Olympic example. Very on brand, considering one the topic and two that the considering the Winter Olympics are on right now. Let's move on to swimming on land. That would be track and field. They had a very travel heavy last couple of weeks. They were in Blacksburg and Winston Salem two weeks ago, and then they were in Nashville and Clemson this past weekend. Some of these people are logging a lot of flight miles, and I respect it. I think given that it's track, it may be more bus miles, but yes, I, I see what you mean. Um, 
in terms of the meets two weekends ago, Blacksburg, um, big highlight there would be uh, Shanti Papacosta winning the high jump. Uh, you had some great showings in the DMRs as well. The distance medley relays uh, tech put uh, two on the podium uh, for the men and the women as well with the men winning the event. Um, anything from Winston-Salem? Uh, Nicole Fegans was in the JD Campbell City Invitational in the women's 3,000 meters. She finished ninth, uh, nine minutes, 14 seconds, uh, 13 milliseconds, or 130 milliseconds. I don't know. Math is hard. <laughs> I mean, she's had a bunch of good showings this season, especially when you get into what she did this weekend, this past weekend in Nashville, where she improved her own program mile record by a minute or by uh one second and 33 milliseconds and to finish third if it was a minute i'd be <laughs> uh, we're talking some world record status but uh one second i mean it's it's pretty significant still okay. um it's almost like par for the course uh <laughs> new episode she just keeps she keeps cutting time every time she runs it it's really yeah. it's really awesome to see Definitely a great example of somebody who was able to take that COVID extra year of eligibility from not having a spring um, two years ago and, and turn it into some some really great results. Absolutely. Also, I was going to say, also in Nashville, we had Claire Moritz uh, in the women's 3000, um, uh, a 924 there, uh, and Harrison Fultz uh, going a 151 in the 800 meters. So pretty, pretty solid runs uh, up in Nashville. Yeah, and then to close out the weekend in Clemson, uh, got a couple of top uh, mile finishes. Uh, Moore finished sixth in the pole vault, and then he had a couple other top finishes across the place. But really the statement, the top line stuff was happening in Nash Vegas uh, with Nicole Feagans, Claire Moritz, and Harrison Fultz. So so good job to them. Good job to all the, all the competitors that participated the last two weekends. But now here's the, here's the real meat and potatoes of the year. Uh, we're two weeks out from ACC indoor championships. So what does this schedule look like for them heading into that? Do they have another meet this weekend, next weekend, before we get there? Or are we are they doing the swim style tapering for the next two weeks before they get into there? Yeah, so uh, that's actually a great question. Um, the uh, JDLDMR Invitational uh, is in Winston-Salem this coming week uh, in the meantime. And then uh, ACC Championships the weekend of the 24th will be, you guessed it, or maybe you didn't, I don't know, uh, back in Blacksburg. Uh, so definitely uh, going to be able to revisit the old haunts. I hope uh, I hope they, uh, you know, are, are, uh, are pleased with both those places because we <laughs> those places recently. So. I'd probably still have the exact same hotel rooms. Just book the exact same ones. Yep. Hey, we're back. Let them let them know we're here. It's the I don't know if they they're big bacon folks, but whoever runs the buffet better know their preferences this time. You know, <laughs> the hotel free breakfast. Uh, Ab- absolutely, absolutely. Let's talk about a team that's actually been home for most of the last couple of weeks. Uh, women's tennis. They are ranked twenty seventh in the nation currently, which is a pretty precipitous drop uh, uh, over the last couple of weeks because of some of their recent results. They played number 14 Auburn uh, last weekend. They took a 5-2 loss. No Bill Chef for this one. They won the doubles point, and they had a little bit of an interesting lineup. 
uh, where they had Carol Lee playing on court one. But, you know, they just could not overcome Auburn's uh, Auburn's attacking potential. They were able to sweep, put together a win versus Northwestern at 4-3. Uh, their first match play win of the season. Still no Bilchev in this one. I'm not sure if we got any injury update news on her. Uh, in Versus Northwestern's, they lost the doubles point. And Gia Cohen in another lineup shift, lineup stack situation, was playing all the way down on court five in the singles. So a couple of interesting results here. What do you make of these, of this stretch for women's tennis? Uh, it was a much needed win. Uh, Auburn's a really quality program. So tough seeing that being five, two, uh, obviously with tennis, um, one person being out of the lineup does do a lot of shuffling. So interesting to see uh, what's up there. They did have a, a week off uh, this week though. So hopefully whatever that is, um, can be, um, you know, addressed well. Um, I don't know, but the, the win was really necessary. Uh, you'd like to see getting the opportunity to, to you know, be the top 15 team in Auburn. But I, I also think that this ranking is probably more accurate uh, of uh, what we mm-hmm. can expect from the team this year. Uh, 12 made a lot more sense uh, as a good job on last year type ranking uh, when, you know, we still had Kenya Jones and... Uh, and Vicky Flores then did as a ranking, but um, good news is the ACC has some great teams. So great to get good exposure as well as uh, a lot of teams. So hopefully opportunities to get some wins. Speaking of opportunities to get some wins, there are a couple this week coming up. Uh, they will play UT Chattanooga on Thursday and then start next week with Mercer at home. And then they'll open up ACC play the week after that. Uh, they'll go to Miami uh, and to FSU, looks like. Um, kind of like we saw the year after the Final Four run, so um, 2019, uh, when we kind of got a couple extra uh, opportunities for wins right at the end of the year. This team is good enough and plays a quality enough schedule and gets enough of the benefit of the doubt for being so good for so long. Um, that What they have to do, they got to get to 500. These two wins will help them do it. Uh, stay above it uh, and and win, you know, the, the toss-up type matches. So I'm, I'm not too worried. It's just a matter of figuring it out. And in what was very clearly right there, the end of a, you know, nice four, five, six-year-long era, and, and you retool and reload for the next, for the next one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, men's tennis on the other side of Ken Byers is sitting right around the same place at 29 in the rankings as the women's team is. They have had a bit of a rough stretch the last couple weeks. They lost 4-3 to Auburn. They went to Columbia and lost 5-2, but won the doubles point there, which is notable. Uh, And then today, they kept it close versus Athens. They were winning at 1.31, but ended up taking a 4-3 loss to the number nine team in the nation. They split the doubles sequence. They won one of them, and then uh, I think they uh, Athens took the other two. Sorry, (laughs) I I was confusing with that. That's that's on me. I did our doubles prep uh, today. By split the doubles pairing, I meant that they split Andres uh, Martin and Marcus McDaniel up. Uh, So they paired uh, Martin and Chopra, I think. Let me pull it up. I have it right here. Um, to be fair, I was also on the right track because I remember very clearly that they were winning on court two, 
but the the match went unfinished because they had lost on the other two courts. Yeah. So I think, I, technically both right. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, McDaniel and Chopra on one were playing. Um, uh, basically, UGA has uh, two top 50-ish or 50th-ish ranked teams, whereas McDaniel and Martin together is unquestionably like a top 10 pairing. Uh, whereas if you split up McDaniel and Martin, you know, you don't have that firepower on one, but I think you're kind of hoping for those to, I guess, equivocate into some sort of uh, top 50-ish type thing. And, and to be fair, um, both of those matches were, were fairly competitive. Uh, I think um, <coughs> McDaniel and Chopper lost a break or two, but, you know, that, that's tennis. Um, in, in terms of us saying that they were up 3-1 and then lost 4-3, the, the one disclaimer I want to say about tennis for those that aren't as familiar is you shouldn't think about that as like choking away a lead or giving up a lead in any sense of the like traditional sporting sense of the term, because all it, of these games are happening at the same time. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like um, they're, they're all independent events, right? Like UGA didn't see that they were down three to one and make a reactionary move to then go up four to four to three. Like that's, that's not how tennis works. Um, but uh, it was three to one because Tech won the first three singles points uh, when McKinney on six, um, he finished third of these uh, of these three, but he won six, four, six, one against the only per- person in the singles lineup for UGA who was not a top 105 player. 125. One, yeah, no, it, they're all 104 and higher. So uh, yeah. Top 125 wow. semantics. Um, Cho- uh, Keshav Chopra demolished number three, Trent Bride, uh, 6'3", 6'2", uh, and he was the first one done. He also had number 12, Andres Martin, um, the highest ranked of any player. Um, so good job, Andres. Um, defeat Phil Henning, uh, 7'5", 6'1", on court one. Um, where the match really turned, though, were on the fourth and fifth, uh, or sorry, the fifth and sixth finished matches. Uh, Marcus McDaniel falling to Hamish Stewart, uh, 7-6 um, with a 7-5 result in the tie break. That is brutal. Uh, and then, brutal. Then falling 6-1 to one after that, which, you know, I get it. I get it. It's very tough to come back from, from being that close to the mountaintop. A set means a lot in, in, in tennis. Um, and then uh, the fifth or the final finisher, the sixth finisher, uh, Shen Dong, uh, Lost seven five seven five to Tristan McCormick. So even though he lost in two, he certainly did not make it easy. Uh, this is about as competitive of a loss, a, a competitive as a of a four three loss you can have, uh, especially against a top ten team uh, like the boys from Athens. Are you saying this is a quality loss, Mister Gray? It was a quality SEC loss, Mister Akshay. Womp womp. Uh... Next up for them, they will be at rest until March 4th when they'll face off against Notre Dame. Uh, and then they'll also play Louisville uh, two days later to open ACC play. Both of those, as written, it seems, are on the road. Let's move on to the Diamonds, shall we? Unless you have something else to say on tennis. I was going to say, uh, this uh, softball preview, review, uh, review, as in like we already preview and reviewed uh, this um, will be more specific. Uh, so for those of you who can listen to this and go, okay, now I've gotten it all. No, 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 no. Much more content for you uh, in the soft. More content. Yes. More content. Um, listen to it. 
definitely go check that out. Uh, Tech is 4-0 after opening weekend. They beat St. Joe's twice and Villanova twice. And they were going to play Marshall today. Um, and that was canceled because of? Some sort of accident. I, we're not really sure what happened. Uh, the Ramblin' Wreck article and, and some of the tweets were light on details, but it seems that there was some sort of uh, bus accident uh, that happened to the Marshall bus on their way back to their hotel from last night's game. I think they played St. Joe's in la- in a game last night. They were going back to their hotel. Uh, there was some incident. A couple of players were injured, nothing life-threatening or anything. Um, hope everyone's okay. But just out of an abundance of caution, Tech and Marshall agreed to cancel the game. Um, but like I said, hope everyone's okay. Um, we'll we'll see what comes out of it. I doubt it. I doubt it'll be rescheduled, canceled. It's kind of definitive. It's very definitive language. Uh, I'm sure Marshall Marshall doesn't have any room in there uh, in their schedule to to come back to Atlanta or or us to go up to Huntington, but. So that means Tech's next game, uh, and we'll talk about this in a bit, will be versus Mercer on Tuesday. That's the 15th. That'll be a 5 p.m. tip on ACC Network Extra. But before we do that, let's talk about the season opening games. Like you said, that was St. Joseph's and Villanova. Two Philadelphia schools down in Atlanta. They knew they know what happened to the Sixers last year, and they decided to come down to Atlanta anyway. Let's talk. What you got for me? Um, so definitely interesting. I'm a little bit, I really wanted to see them play Marshall because I'm a big believer, uh, in it takes a little bit of time to settle into your groove, uh, as a baseball or softball team. Uh, I think that's pretty evident. Uh, and when it comes to bats in particular, um, that given that our, uh, results, uh, that we saw in the first two games were, um, you know, the, the five, two, five, for one-ish kind of margins, um, whereas in the second game it was 11-0 win over Villanova and 8-5 to five over St. Joe's. Um, that is a sign that, you know, hey, you, you've seen live pitching that you know, isn't your coach or the pitching machine or, you know, uh, you know your, your soft toss or, or, or your teammate in maybe a live get practice or, or whatever. You get the point. Um, that being, um, it, it, it would have at least just been interesting thing again can't really fault anyone uh anyone for that so it would have been interesting to see marshall but that being said uh the trend that we saw from day one to day two i would think is fully positive right you, you saw uh Nelman throw two gems of games i believe she gave up uh you know one run between the two between one the run two and steps. two hits i yeah. think only like four walks total i don't have the lines in front of me right now but i'll i can check that yeah, if you're not putting people on base, that uh, is good. If you're not giving them something that they can uh, square up, that's that's good as well. Um, and then and then in the other two games, uh, Chandler Dennis was a fairly solid starter for both games, and uh, Palmer Pinholster uh, threw some great relief. Again, um, these aren't Power Five teams yet; they're not. That's life. Um, so definitely going to have to see how that translates uh, this coming weekend when we get some uh, Mississippi State uh, on our schedule. But, you know, I, I think our reasonable expectation is all right. You know, like that they, they kind of played how I expected it, if that sounds uh, – if that makes sense. I don't know how you mm-hmm. feel about it. No, I, 
I think this is what they should have done. Like this is winning your, like beating the teams that you should, right? Uh, and we talk a little bit in the preview episode about how the, this softball schedule sets up like a Kentucky football schedule where if the end goal is to make a bowl game or in softball's case is to make the NCAA tournament, you make that job as easy as possible on yourself with the constraints that are given, right? You can't change the ACC schedule. So in the games that you can schedule both the non-con and the midweek, you try to make it as easy on yourself as possible by scheduling mid-majors and low majors while still maintaining a reasonable level of strength of schedule. Right. So this is sort of where that starts. St. Joe's and Villanova, like I said, they're, they're mid-majors for the most part. Mercer is also in that mid-major range. They don't see a P5 opponent until Mississippi State next weekend. So it gives them time to settle into the schedules, get, in the, get, into, uh, get into a rhythm despite, being, you know, despite seeing live pitching uh, and go into those two games versus Mississippi State and be prepared to see t- a, a opponent that is equal or better. Right. And really test themselves and hit the ground running. Um, But that's not something they've seen in a while. Right. In in previous years, one year when the Buzz Classic, the first time the Buzz Classic came back, they faced Washington in the first game of the Buzz Classic, in the first game of the year and the first two games of the year. And then last year, they basically they played a couple of cupcakes and then immediately went into the ACC schedule and and played uh, FSU the first weekend. Now they get a little bit more time to adjust and, like I said, get into a rhythm and really figure out, play with the lineup, figure out what's most effective, and then go into, like I said, that Mississippi State pairing of games prepared and ready to go. I love, uh, even if uh, a couple of the appearances were, you know, only an at-bat or a pinch run or something, but getting getting 15 players played appearances getting four pitchers in the circle. That is honestly, I I think pretty great to see, Um, you know, this is a team that lost uh, four pitchers from last year. Obviously we did, uh, um, we, we did get, uh, wait, is this, am I looking at the right information? Yeah. 2022. um, We lost four pitchers from last year. Obviously we did get Melman back. uh, So always, Always uh, good to good to see more names in the mix, right? That's exactly what these early games are for. Um, one thing I did touch on this a little bit in the the softball uh, baseball preview right at the end uh, is the attendance. Uh, I think it was posted as right around three fifty as an average for the weekend. That is great. Um, you'd love to see that, and and knowing that you know a couple of those were Friday like early games, um, you know you, you want to see them get supported as well. So definitely. Uh, if you haven't yet, definitely circle back in two weeks or, or look at an ACC game on the schedule. Um, very affordable, and, and hopefully the the team's doing well. Uh, they they definitely respond well to the energy. Softball, I think, is underrated for how energetic of a sport it is. Um, you know, baseball's a little bit saddled with it being like slow. Not that all these are fair. Uh, college baseball, in particular, is very fast and exciting. Um, but you know. Uh, Softball is very energetic and lively and definitely worth uh, two hours of your day. Pretty, pretty quick game too. I, uh, I also want to just to drop back to our actual analysis. I want to talk a little bit more about Chandler Dennis, who is a transfer in from Michigan. We talked about her in terms of what she means to the program and the season uh, a little bit more in the preview. And we keep re- referring to the preview. We'll stop. 
but it was a it was a really good episode. I think both of us were really proud of the work that we did and talking about both teams. But Chandler Dennis put together, like you said, some really good outings. I think she got the early hook, an, an early hook that we don't usually see from Eileen Morales. In, in this one, she wasn't really able to work through some of the issues that she was having in the third uh, inning versus St. Joe's in their second game. Uh, she just got the hook at the end of at the end of the inning, and Lexi Ray was put in to start the fourth. I would I, I, in the preview episode I mentioned. Okay, well, Morales usually lets her pitchers work out her itch, issues, but in this one, she decided to use a little bit of an early hook. And you know, we're operating at both extremes. I yeah, in that vein, I'd like I kind of would have liked to see her go a little bit longer and see what she's got. She played, I think, she went the full seven in the first game versus Villanova. But I think these types of games are where you get the opportunity to let your pitchers work through some issues, work through some of these tougher in-game situations. Uh, and I would have liked to see her get, get more time. Here. Yeah, um, I kind of agree there. Um, I, I think it's also a second day in a row of pitching kind of thing. Could just be mm-hmm. – and stuff like that. I, I don't want to overanalyze um, that one thing in particular. Maybe if it becomes a pattern, but with um, podcasts are meant for rampant speculation, Mr. Grant. That's my quote. Uh, but uh, if you if you look at the week ahead, there's six games: um, Mercer, uh, a pair against Central Arkansas, a pair against Southern Illinois. No, one against Central Arkansas, a pair against Southern Illinois, a pair against Mississippi State. Um, this will be a great, uh, a great showing, uh, hopefully, uh, of what this team can uh, start to do. You, you have a nice mix of, um, you know, you, you need to beat Mercer. You need to beat Central Arkansas. Uh, Southern Illinois has been a pretty steady program over the past uh, couple of years in terms of uh, good results for mid-major. Turnover has definitely happened there um, in, in recent years, so don't want to undersell that. Uh, but, you know, at, at least a program that recently has been pretty solid. Um, and then, and then Mississippi State uh, is definitely, definitely the, the the jewel of the week. If you're going to watch one or game, make it one of those. Um, and uh, hopefully, uh, Nelman and uh, Dennis transfer well over to that. Dennis in uh, that second Mississippi State game is probably the the matchup I've circled of the week for them. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Especially as she she from Michigan gets used to the Georgia Tech setup, gets used to you know, uh, playing the type of opponents that Tech does. And we talked about this in the preview. Again, we're trusting uh, or we trust Michigan's talent identification on how good she is. And she, so far, early returns have been pretty successful, pretty pretty worthwhile. Yep, I agree. Um, definitely, uh, definitely eager to see them kind of get more into this season. Like I said, it would have been nice to see Marshall, but, you know, that that's life. Can't control that. More data points helps the analysis. We're an analytics podcast after all. Yeah, only analytics podcast out there, of course. Of course. Uh, just a couple more shout-outs. Trisha Awold had a really good weekend, batted 6-6-7 six, six, uh, for the weekend. Emma Kauf, as always, really, really solid. Uh, Jin Saleh, also really, really solid. Uh, Emma McGinney, newcomer to the team, batted uh, three eighty five on the weekend. Had a, had a really good first day. Um, was really impressed there. Uh, Sarah Beth Allen had a really consistent weekend uh, as well. Same thing goes, like really good first couple of days uh, at the plate, really clutch hitting. Um, but yeah, 
good weekend for for tech softball um and like i said they'll be back in action uh on tuesday and then also at the end of the week uh in starkville so we'll see them there mr grant we're gonna go from uh you know trending upwards to neutrality or mediocrity let's talk about men's basketball <laughs> i uh appreciate that my gut response um was i hope we don't turn this into the, the bit we did for football because they don't deserve that but uh definitely a tough week um obviously i don't think this season off off the bat um has worked out quite how really anyone had envisioned i think we thought that it would be a little bit more seamless from last year. And this past week just really feels like more of the same, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I have written in our notes, nothing ever changes. Uh, and it's it's definitely frustrating to sort of, I, I think they got that win versus Clemson. And you're sort of like, okay, we're seeing some signs of progress. Maybe they've, maybe they've turned a corner. You saw, you, you also had that win versus FSU before that. You're like, okay, well, we're seeing things, right? We're seeing points that they can build off of, but then it's game after game. They're either losing on the free throw line. They are um, struggling to defend for periods for pretty long stretches, defend and then score and take advantage of opportunities um, during the second half. And and even for times during the first half, and it's the same old story really with them every single game. Um, and it's frustrating. I think frustrating is the right word. They're not a bad team. Like, I, I don't, I think the results are poor, but I think you're right in saying they're not a bad team per se. They just, there are a lot of disparate parts that haven't quite fit together in the way that they would like yet. And we may not see them come together in the right way until next year. Yeah. Um, honestly, I feel like I've been halfway to that position for about a month. Um, of just kind of a general eagerness to see, you know, Mecca Kelly, get more time Coleman, get more time consistency. I, it's not good to, to write off, uh, chunks of a year. You know, you you don't want to say we're punting, uh, or, or whatever. Um, but, uh, I think tech, has some questions to ask about, can we really say that this whole fouling thing and, and kind of backdating it to our take against Duke or the first Miami game or the second Miami game or, or whatever, um, there's no way there's a vast conspiracy to call all these fouls. And it's not something that we're used to experiencing from a tech team, right? You know, uh, it, it, it there's always been somewhat of a disparity, dis, uh, discrepancy, I guess, but, you know. I mean, I think you can say that there's a discrepancy. There, has to be, there needs to be some sort of there, – there, there is some sort of explanation uh, that, that comes back to play better defense, boys, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, there's, there's certainly some questions you can ask about defensive discipline um, and, and, and transition defense and that, and that sort of thing. <laughs> I mean, personally, I think you can definitely call a conspiracy when you're playing uh, when you're playing in Cameron or in the Dean Dome. But those are besides the point here. I think 
think you're right in hitting on, well, what is the explanation? Like, is there a tactical reason that all these fouls are happening? Um, is there just a, a, a discipline reason? Like what, not, not discipline in the overarching program sense, but the defensive discipline, right? It's, are you staying in your position? Are you, uh, are you only taking risks when, it, when you're supposed to that sort of thing? Um, and it, it honestly could be something like, it's just, it's just youth, right. At a, at a couple positions, you have, you have young players that are working in getting time and trying to make an, a, trying to make a name for themselves, trying to help their team out. And they're just making mistakes. Right. And that might be worked out over time. And it, maybe we just have to give them that time. Um, yeah. Like you said, I think it's been a disappointing year. And honestly, I'm, I think if we said that we were punting on the rest of the year and just being like, okay, we're going to rotate in the youth and we're going to see what we have. And then we're going to retool for next year. I don't know. It's not tanking, right? Tanking is not the word for it, but it's, it's a roster analysis. They're still going to be competitive. Even if they rotate in the youth, uh, like both of us are saying, they're still going to be competitive the, the rest during the rest of their slate. The ACC is terrible this year. It is awful. They could still win the conference tournament. Like it's not out of yeah. the picture. Yeah, they they have to they'd have to you know put together three or four complete games, which they have they they put together complete games this season. Maybe not consistently, but they've done it. But e- even if they said, okay, we're going to rotate in more youth and say, okay, well, we're not going to make the tournament this year, but next year we are going to make the tournament for sure. I'm, I'm even fine with that. Maybe that's me coping. Maybe that's me being less positive on the team for sure. But it's not an invalid solution to this problem, personally. Yeah. Um, I think that it's probably fair to say, and I kind of had this feeling when it was announced that Jose and Moses weren't coming back, but DeVoe and Usher were, that it was going to be a weird year. Because as much it's as an in-between play, year. Yeah, and, and and Bubba being out due, due to injury, right? Like that, you can't – all five of those guys would have been the starting lineup, right? And and when you're saying, oh, surprise, now uh, no point guard, no big man, of course the team's going to struggle. Yeah. Not no point guard. No I mean, and we've talked point. about this before, right? We've, talk, we've talked about this in the context of this is an in-between year. The, you have simultaneously have the desire to play youth and get the minutes, but you also have to, rem, you also have top line talent that's still contributing. Right. And, and I think our conclusion was not that it would have been better if both DeVoe and Usher had left, but it would, the results, like the expectations would be more in check. I think like we were saying before, a lot of these expectations for this program are built off of not adjusting for the fact that you lost, that the team lost two major contributors, not only in point totals, not, but defensive effort and also minutes. They played the majority, vast majority of minutes available at their positions because of the road, because of the short rotation that, that passenger likes to play. So if you have all of your major contributors leave, that brings expectations more into check with what is more into line with what is currently the reality. And I think things would be at least a little bit better from a narrative standpoint, if that was the case. 
Yep. Um, and, and I think people, the, the natural response of some people is like, but what happened to get old and stay old? Well, if you think about it, right now, DeVoe and Usher kind of blow that plan out of the water because they're older than old. You know what I mean? Or, yeah, I guess COVID, they're COVID year. Yeah, exactly. So it's different. And, and obviously, it's not really as clean either to say, well, if, if well, and we've seen Devo Coleman steadily get more minutes, but it, it's not as clean to say, like, but if Jordan Mecca had just been plugged in the whole time, he'd be great by now. No, because you need people to have time to improve and, and see the game and get a feel for it. That's, I firmly believe that tech is not a place where you get one and done, just inherently, right? Um, mm-hmm. Also, a guy I'm pretty sure is dead just sent me a friend request on Facebook. So that's weird. Um, sorry, that I completely threw me off my rhythm. Um, anyways, uh, going back to what I was saying, it's not a plug and play thing. It's not, and it's partially an expectations thing, but, it, but if you think about it too, it's not like this team lacks for talent. Mm-hmm. It's not like they this don't. Team it's not like this team lacks for time either. It's just a matter of, you know, figuring out where, uh, and, and I've said it like this too. I think Miles Kelly and Jordan Mecca are like one or two games, big game or like productive games away from being like, all right, I got it. I feel it, you know? And, and that's what happens when you're a true freshman who is not a, like a one and done, like it's tough to, to step into that role. Right. Or, or to say, Hey, Kyle Sturdivant, uh, you know, the most like beloved player from Georgia Tech in the last like decade. Can you just go be him now? Go be Jose. That's not, not possible. And quite frankly, based on Jose turning himself from like undrafted, unknown for the most part to like darling of NBA Twitter in the last two weeks, I wouldn't have it any other way. Good for him. Go get that bread. He makes us, he makes the program look better. That shows what Josh Pastner and his staff have done for them. And just like the staff of uh, the success of a Kogi or, or Lammers overseas uh, and or James Banks coming back to the G League or Moses uh, finding some time in the NBA. But, you know, G League too. like, hey, you know, tech, tech's a destination. They're, they're making quality players who've gotten better and can continue to get better. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, let's transition over to talking about the other side of McCamish Pavilion. The women's basketball team has been in action this past week. They have had a very interesting week in the <laughs> way. If you get my, if you get my parlance, they beat Duke. They, they grinded out a win versus Duke, which was really good. Bad loss to NC State. Bad loss to Virginia Tech. Near bad loss to Clemson. Near egregious loss to Clemson. Let's be clear. That Clemson, Clemson team loss is... would have been, like, catastrophic. Let's be ca- real. Yeah. There, there were some stinky losses last year near the end of the year. That would have been... This, this would have been stinkier or, or on par the, with the uh, Boston College loss from last year. Again, this team beat Clemson three times last year. We very nearly lost two of those. I will put that out there. Their coach knows our scheme. They, well, they know she knows it well, and she she had a player go for thirty plus today. Uh, I'm gonna, I have I have the stats pulled up because often we do some clicking around in the background during the podcast, just bringing you into the inner workings. But I knew this was one where I wanted those 
no, no searching. I just needed to know. Uh, but in terms of Clemson's points, it is worth stating that if you eliminate Washington from the game, the score is 92 to 44. She had how many points now? I, it was 30 plus, but I don't remember the exact She, she had 40 points, was 16 of 23 <laughs> field goal shooting. 16 of 23. What? Is there a magnet in the ball? Um, three of five from three, five of six from the line, um, five rebounds, two assists, uh, only two fouls, uh, only one turnover. And grab just kept giving her the ball in every possession. That's the only reason this worked. And yet her plus minus was minus 11. Uh, plus minus is a bad stat. Mm. I know, but still, um, wild. Um, yeah, so. That's ridiculous. Yeah. They um, gave up, like Tech gave up, what, 30 points in the third quarter? I think that's what it was. It was not great. Uh, they're winning. It was by not seven. a great defensive or offensive performance versus NC State, Virginia Tech, and Clemson. Even if, even if Clemson was a win, None of these three games were great performances whatsoever. Uh, Tech gave up 30 points in the third, and they also let a 17-point lead wilt into an eight-point lead um, going into halftime in the second. So, uh, And then got just de- like demolished with that 30 points in the third. Yeah. And it was – Clemson was up by, what, like four heading into the fourth? I think that's what yeah. it was. And then – it took a it took a pretty sizable grinding effort to get it to tied at the end of regulation and then Lorella Kubai just turned it on in OT and and clinched the win so at the end of the day a win is a win but this is not the type of like I, I think we both would have been very upset <laughs> if they had lost this game this podcast might have been just an hour of me screaming if they had lost this game three in a row including a loss to Clemson is pretty bad. Virginia Tech is unheralded as a very good team. They are the, the Tech, Tech, NC State, and Louisville are the top four teams in the conference right now. Um, does it grind my gears? I listened briefly at the end uh, to the radio broadcast. Does it grind my gears that Virginia Tech fans were chanting, chanting overrated at us? Yes. They are also ranked. Hold on. They're also ranked. I don't want to hear this. They are ranked. Yeah. Um, so – Love that. Love that for us. Um, but garbage. Uh, no, Virginia Tech's like 17 or 18 and six. Um, they're they're doing just oh, fine. they're they're receiving votes. Well, now they'll now they'll receive some more votes. Congrats, guys. Um, but coming up this week, you have Notre Dame at home on Thursday at 8 p.m. on the ACC network. It'll be the pink game. Notre Dame is uh, I think fifth in the conference right now, something like that. Notre Dame, it was basically at one point it was like Virginia Tech, Notre Dame, and, and Tech were right in that bubble for third. Oh, uh, Notre Dame in the third conference the or fifth, right? Sorry. So I mean, there's all of still, the they're, they're, they're all fifth. stacked up in that in that space, right? That three through five space, yep. um, and no one's been able to br- break Louisville, and and no one's been able to break NC State, so. They it, it, it's just gonna gonna kind of be a dogfight through the end of the season to see who actually ends up with that third seed at, at, at the end of the year. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, the main thing I would also add um, is given that Notre Dame is fifth and we're currently tied with them, 
gonna want to win this one. Just just putting that out there. In soccer parlance, it's a six pointer. Get it yeah. done. Yeah, you go up one, and they go down one, and you get the tie break. That's uh, that's one you need to win. Um, they are, and they had the trouble with Notre Dame last year too. So. It's going to be interesting to see. I don't think they played Notre Dame earlier this year. He played Notre Dame twice on the road last year. That was so weird. COVID is weird. Um, but, yeah, Notre Dame is 3-4 and four on the road while being 7-0 and oh at home in conference play. So definitely uh, want to take advantage of getting the, getting the home draw on that. Um, and, then, and we also get revenge against Miami. Um, that loss to them looks worse and worse all the time. They're 6-7 and seven in conference. Um, overall, they're 13 and 10, which isn't terrible. But uh, again, you know, you, you, you got to get some you of the that ground back. that you gave up back here. Yeah. Um, uh, tech uh, wants to stay top four, get that double buy. Uh, every game less you have to play in the conference uh, is that many less you have to go through to get where you want to go. Uh, so, yeah, definitely would be. It's would be late better. in the season. It's late. It. This is the time to. to clean up shop here and just grind out some W's and secure your seed. I mean, also, also if anyone was overrated, it would have been Duke who's six and eight in conference and 15 and nine overall redirect your anger. Hokies redirect them at Duke as what should be. As God intended, uh, just to talk about the schedule one more time, it's Notre Dame uh, and then Miami, both at home and then Florida state. And then, and then at Florida State, and then at Wake Forest, and then it's ACC tournament time. So it life comes at you fast here. It's just two weeks. I don't it's like two that. weeks, and then we're done. I uh, uh, I I wish I had my strength of schedule numbers up because uh, that would be very interesting. But uh, Florida State and Wake Forest, they are those are two. Like, this is a three and one. You go three and one, and you're golden for the third seed situation. I think. Yeah, depending but, on what VT does. Yeah, you got to win the Wake Forest game. Um, Florida State and FSU. That'll be on the road. Miami, uh, you got to win the Miami game. Uh, got to bag Miami. Out. And then I'm you got to win. You with... just, just win the games. Just win the games. That's the easiest <laughs> just way to do it. <laughs> just win the games. Easy. It's so easy. Just win. Just, just win, baby. Win. Um, it is Super Bowl Sunday. So technically, that is that is relevant. That's why they call me Jake Al Davis Grant. Actually, they don't. Please don't do that. Please don't call him that on Twitter. Actually, please do call him that on Twitter. That'd be funny. That, I think, kind of wraps up our women's basketball talk. That wraps up our episode for today. We've recorded, like I said, three hours of audio. Uh, it's Super Bowl Sunday. Four hours of audio. Christ. Uh, it's Super Bowl Sunday. The big game starts in 11 minutes. And probably not. And talking about commercials. And then 30. 630. 6.30. I hate it. Freaking NFL doing MLS kickoff times. You really hate to see it. Do you have anything else to plug before we head out for the night? Um, I mean, listen, listen to the interview with Clayton. That was a lot of fun. Um, great talking to him. Go buy his book. I did that. I'm waiting for it to get here. Um, he said he's talking to publisher tomorrow. So hopefully they get uh, Amazon their stock. Uh, but you can buy it direct through University of Nebraska as well. Uh, if you have it's also on BNN. Yeah, I also looked it um, up on Barnes and Noble. If you have questions for us for a future show, uh, for any of our delightful collaborators as well, um, let us know. Uh, looking to 
get uh, you know uh, our our wonderful folks from any of our partner uh, organizations, podcasts, other places in FTRS on the show. So if there's anything in particular that interests you, whether that is uh, talking to our softball correspondent, our UNC correspondent, or anywhere in between, uh, Robert on football numbers, let us know what you want to hear. Um, and we'll, we'll get everyone, everyone back on. Uh, if you have any questions for us from the rumble seat at gmail.com, uh, FTRS blog on Twitter podcasts, wherever fine podcasts are sold. And, uh, you can find me and, uh, I guess not Akshay. He doesn't really publish publicize that, but, uh, Jake Grant 98 on Twitter as well. Uh, some other things, baseball starts at the end of the week. We didn't really talk about them in this episode, but we did in the preview. They start at the end of the week. Uh, versus Wright State. That's on Friday at, I think, 4 p.m. That's a 4 p.m. tip uh, at Russ Chandler. So go listen to the preview. Come out for baseball. Come out for softball. One slight correction. I may have said that the actual SEC sued the uh, SECHC uh, for, and gave him a cease and desist. I don't actually think that's the case. Looking at how they did this announcement, it looks like a bunch of these teams are not from the SEC, so they decided to rebrand to make all those teams feel more at home and not just outsiders in a in a faux SEC conference. What are they rebranding to? College Hockey South. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. They joined the College Hockey Federation, so that, that tracks. All that tracks, all that sounds good. Mr. Grant, I will see you next week. Oh.